This is a conspiracy channel. Take two of the first creation story. Welcome to the Hush channel. Enki is deemed the deity of creation because Enki himself was an alien who was a master geneticist and created mankind to replace the Ajiji and stop Enlil's massacre of the Ajiji. Continuing the story, Ki agrees to assist Enki but says that it is not proper nor is it her place to create a humanoid man as it is outside of her jurisdiction and that is Enki's expertise. However, she does state that she will serve as Enki's co-worker but what she will not do is create a slave and that the new humanoid being will be credited as both Enki's work and Enki's responsibility. Key requests that Enki provide her with a pure and clean area to work in, a laboratory, as well as a few essentials. One essential was a being of the earth. Assumedly this was an animal, probably the rhesus monkey of whom us humans share 93 to 99% of our DNA with. Key also requests the essence of the slaughtered Ajiji leader. With this, Ki states that with Enki's help, she can combine the essence of Geshtu-e and the creature of the earth like clay and form a new co-worker being. And Enki also proposes that they mold this new co-worker in the image and semblance of the Anunnaki, forming mankind in the image of God. The ancient Kenites were experts in the conception of the soul. They believed that a soul had eight parts. One, the physical body or the ket. Two, the spiritual body or saw. Three, the name, identity or ren. Four, the personality or ba. Five, the vital essence or the ka. Six, the heart or the ib. Seven, the shadow or the shut. And eight, the power, the form, or what is called the sekum. Now, the vital essence was what the Kemites considered distinguishes the difference between a living person and a dead person. And this vital essence or ka was sustained through food and drink. This is actually why the ancient Kemites provided food and drink offerings even to the dead as we can see in Pharaoh's tombs. So when Ki requests the essence of Geshtu'i, Ki is essentially requesting his soul, his energy, his ka, his vital essence. And this vital essence was needed to bring life to the new being, humans. Enki and Ki come to a compromise and Enki then faces the gods and addresses Ki as the mother of all the gods. And then Enki agrees to Ki's demands and requests and lets her know that on the 1st, the 7th, and the 15th of the month, he will be providing her with a clean, purified area so she can assist him with creating this new humanoid being. Enki ensures that all the Anunnaki who assist them will have sanitized equipment to ensure that there is no contamination. And Enki reiterates the essence of the Anunnaki Ijiji revolt leader will be mixed like clay with the earth creature of choice permanently and from then on the heartbeat of this new humanoid being will be forever heard and the spirit of the slaughtered Anunnaki Ajiji revolt leader will also live inside this new humanoid being forever as to not be forgotten. So here, when Enki addresses Ki as mother of all the gods, we see that the Anunnaki procreates differently. They likely are cloned from source DNA and or are born from surrogate mothers that humans later call fertility goddesses or womb goddesses. Also, from Enki's speech, we can assume that Enlil got his way and the leader of the Ajiji revolt was killed, which proved necessary to create a mankind anyways. This means that mankind was made from an Anunnaki entity that was considered a troublemaker and within every 
every human lies a part of his soul, making us all fragments of one piece. Seeing Enki's suggestion as a good solution, all the gods in the great Anunnaki assembly agreed to this procedure as detailed. In the Apocrypha of John, there is a very detailed long list of every single part of the human body and the angels that are responsible for their creation and functioning. This is actually a list of all the alien lab technicians, all the Anunnaki lab technicians, and the part of the human body that they assisted in creating under Enki's order, instruction, and oversight as the head technician and master geneticist himself. The young and intelligent rebel Anunnaki, known by the name of Geshtu-e, was the inspiration behind the Ajiji rebellion. So he was the Anuna executed and his essence was mixed like clay with theoretically the rhesus monkey. And the result of this mixture became known as humans. Quick side note, in the Babylonian narrative, the Anunnaki used to create mankind was named Kingu, the child of Abzu and Tiamat, two water deities with water domains. Abzu is a fresh water deity that serves as the lover to Tiamat. In the Babylonian epic, Tiamat gave Kingu the Tablet of Destinies, and Kingu wore the tablet as a breastplate which gave him great power. The Tablet of Destinies and other literature is known as the Comedic Tablets of Thoth, or the Emerald Tablets, or the Akashic Records, or what is called the Book of Life in Abraham religions and what is called the collective unconscious and new age spirituality. The Tablet of Destinies was said to have the power to reverse time and strip the Anunnaki of their power. Whoever possessed the Tablet of Destinies had power over all the Anunnaki and was their leader. After the younger Anunnaki murdered Abzu, Kingu served as the companion of his mother Tiamat who placed Kingu as leader of her army of all the gods, all the Anunnaki. This tablet however was stolen from Kingu by Enlil when Enlil killed Kingu and Tiamat to obtain the tablet. In the Babylonian narrative, Enlil uses Tiamat's body to create the earth and the skies, and Enlil mixes Kingu's flesh and blood with clay, and life was breathed into the clay figurine. After this, all the Anunnaki gods spat on Kingu's clay body to create human genetic variations. And after 10 months, Kingu came to life. In the story of Atrahasis, however, it is an entity named Geshtu-e whose blood and flesh was used to create mankind. And all we know about Geshtu-e is that he was a minor god of intelligence. Upon hearing the heartbeat of their new creation, Ki proclaimed the being was no longer a golem, but now alive. After this, the greater Ajiji were all gathered and saliva was collected from each of them. Each of the high-ranking Ajiji genetic identities in the saliva was then combined with the essence of the new creature's being, thus creating additional genetic variation so all humans were not born as mere clones of the others, but would have different features and so forth. This is where the Eve gene theoretically originated, which is the gene of the black race that contains every genetic variation that created multiple human variations and populations we see today. Ki then faced and addressed the gods stating that she had completed the work she promised to do and how she may have given the new creature the gift of life but now the hard workload of the Gigi will now be put onto the humans but this does not mean humans are to be seen or treated as slaves but instead as co-workers. All the gods listened carefully to Ki's speech and the Gigi gods now freed failed down on their knees and kissed Ki's feet, praising her, seeing how they used to call her mommy, but now they'll call her Balek Kala Ili, the mistress of all the gods. The first human that Enki and Ki created was named Adapa or Abgalu, which breaks down to meaning 
great man of water. Abgalu's mere name went on to mean wise sage and Sumerian. The Abgalu were demigods, sometimes described as part man and part fish, associated with human wisdom. There were seven Abgalus, and in literature they are known as the seven sages. Now Adapa and Enki would go on to be very close until the end of Adapa's days, and Enki would ensure all mankind was of one language as well to make working together more efficient. Enki would sometimes be considered Adapa's father. And Enki granted Adapa the gift of great wisdom. Enlil was happy with Enki and Ki's work and creation. And as the new humans grew quickly, when they reached adulthood, they happily took up tools, making new picks, spades, and work tools for themselves. Without complaint, they dug new canals and irrigation systems to grow crops to feed both the gods and themselves. After all, there were only seven Abgalus, only seven great sages. The rest of mankind were not granted this gift of great wisdom. This was during the beginning period of man where not only was mankind ignorant, meaning without knowledge, but Enlil was against humans being able to reproduce at this time. So initially, mankind was unable to do so. Mankind also did not have any free will, initially as Enlil wanted them to be the perfect slaves. Without free will, mankind lacked the ability to think and act at their own discretion. The humans would know nothing except what Enlil wanted them to, which was work, work, and more work, nothing else. They did not possess the capacity to think together get upset and feel taken advantage of like the Ajiji had. So Enlil was perfectly fine with humans not possessing free will. We were ignorant and unintelligent. Essentially, zombie slaves. What is free will? By definition, free will in humans is the power or capacity to choose among alternatives or to act in certain situations independently of natural, social, or divine restraints. The freedom of choice. This is where the tension between Enlil and Enki would begin. Enki created mankind, so he had a softer spot for us. And being that he was a scientist and we became a perfect creation and success, he had other plans for mankind. And the way Enlil was treating his creation did not fit well and rubbed them the wrong way. Enlil treated mankind like slaves and was not adhering to Key's word that mankind was not to be treated as slaves but as co-workers. Which brings us to the subject of Adam. Yes, Adam comes from the story of Adapa but they are not the same being. The name Adam actually originally meant animal in Sumerian. The Garden of Eden was originally called the paradise of eden paradise and garden may be synonymous and so the switching titles may seem to mean absolutely nothing but things get a bit dark here it was not until the greek hellenistic era that paradise meant garden the hellenistic era began in 323 bc that was millennia after this story. The term paradise prior to the Hellenistic era referred to an enclosure for animals. A fitting description because Enlil saw it as just another animal playing its part or niche in its ecosystem. And Adam name means animal in Sumerian. This is why the paradise of Eden to the Sumerians was considered a prison or slave plantation for humans. We were livestock. Every animal has a niche meaning humans did too. A niche is the role of an animal in its environment that is vital to sustaining its ecosystem. Mankind's niche was, is, to labor the land, to tend to the land, which is why Catholics and many old religions in general do not frown on enslavement, but rather refer to enslavement as a divine and necessary intervention because somebody has to do it and there has to be people higher up to ensure that somebody is doing it. Most of the poor people of the world are laborers and look how religious they are. This is by divine order, according to them. This is why the Bible itself does not disagree with enslavement and even gives guidelines to both slaves and masters telling them both how to be good at what they are. 
are. It does not tell slaves to rebel. It rather tells them to do whatever the master says unless the master says to worship another god. Do as they say do, but not what they do. Remember that? Enki in Mesopotamian narratives is the serpent in the Garden of Eden that gives Eve the knowledge of how to create a niece, which is a tool made from a tree in the garden. This is how Enki becomes known as the deity of mischief and eventually evil. He was only evil from the perspective of those who agreed and stood by Enlil. When Enki helped humans, he was seen as a traitor to his own kind for us because he loved us and wanted us to be more than just slaves. We were his babies after all and we were his responsibility. Enki would walk amongst the humans and build relationships with them, treating us as equals. Because of this, he served as an intermediary or messenger between the Anunnaki gods and the humans. Enlil felt too superior to personally come down and deal with mankind and would use Enki and others to send down his demands. This tool that Enki made for Eve called the niece actually served a dual purpose. On one hand, it was actually to help Eve with her labor in the garden. On the other hand, it could be used to assist Eve in defending herself because Enki knew that Enlil, who was in charge of everything, did not care for humans past servitude and neither did a lot of those who followed his way who were overseeing human labor and likely mistreating the humans. Enlil did view humans as lower than even the Ajiji, mere specks of walking moving dirt. Another animal, literally. The word niece got wrongly orally misinterpreted and translated to apple. The Bible never says that that Adam and Eve ate an apple, but this oral history comes from the misinterpretation of the word niece. Enki was an Anunnaki entity of the reptilian race. He was depicted as a merman and a man with scales. Mermaids come in various forms, the most common being that of the fish or serpent hybrids. But they can typically shapeshift between being 100% fish, 50% fish, and 50% human, or 100% human, or 100% serpent, or 50% serpent, and 50% human. When Enki presented himself to Eve, she would have seen a reptilian humanoid of the serpent nature with a serpent phenotype. Being humanoid simply means having the appearance or character to resembling that of a human. For this very reason, Enki was coined the serpent in the Garden of Eden. If you notice, in old paintings of the Garden of Eden, sometimes there is a mermaid of the serpent-humanoid hybrid nature inside the Tree of Knowledge. You see these serpent hybrid mermaids in cultures that are still indigenous. Enki's relation to these indigenous people, however, is why instead of condemning serpents in these cultures, serpents are instead worshipped and praised and revered in the indigenous beliefs such as that in Africa, Asia, and the Americas. Notice I say indigenous because as groups became colonized, these serpents became demonized. Enki was a deity of wisdom, and the niece too was carved from a tree, which is why it is called the Tree of Knowledge. And the tool's dual purpose proposed that it can be used for good as a garden tool or for bad as a weapon, thus the term the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And again, evil is used from the perspective of those who stood and agreed with Enlil's way of life. If you were on the side of humanity, this wasn't evil, this was simply a defense mechanism. But this was the first step made to give humans a way to rebel and hold their own against Enlil for themselves. But this is the first great evil religious-wise. It is the reason why in the book of Enoch, Enoch calls Enki the leader of the fallen angels named Azazel. Azazel is an entity that teaches humans weaponry and metallurgy, which is the art and science of extracting metals from their ores and modifying the metals for use. Azazel was deemed the one to whom all sin is ascribed. But again, remember Key said that humans would be Enki's responsibility. So of course our quote unquote sins or wrongdoings would be put onto him in the way that a child's parents is responsible for their actions, no matter what. With this action Azazel became known as the scapegoat. 
And because Enki was the one who decided to go against the green and not heed to in those preferences which resorted in the different Anunnaki gods taking sides, of course he is the scapegoat for the Anuna who went against Enlil. Because who else could do this but Enki? He's the only one who kind of is any type of competition for Enlil in the first place. Now Enki also betrayed Enlil in another way. Enki began to teach mankind other knowledge. This knowledge is sometimes referred to as the secrets of the heavens. Enki taught mankind all the different disciplines and sciences and this advanced knowledge actually equated to teaching sorcery because sorcery is just the precursor or another term that references people's misunderstanding of possessing the advanced knowledge to utilize herbs, the earth around you, certain equations, geometric patterns, frequencies, all of that to manipulate the world around you the way you want to. This is why the ancient ruins we happen upon today are so mind-blowingly sophisticated and why those who have studied it hoard the secrets they discover sprouting occultisms and different now, on the other hand, in the lands of Enki in Africa, the first people of the world had front row seats to this knowledge. These were Enki's people because they were in Enki's land. And this is where the notion of black magic inside the black race really stems from. By exposing mankind to this knowledge, mankind was able to gain free will. So this is Enki granting mankind wisdom and enlightenment. But with this, he also genetically modified mankind to be able to reproduce without the assistance from the birth goddesses as surrogates. This is what makes Enki the deity of not just wisdom but fertility, magic, and sex and wisdom and why he is often represented by the phallus which is a penis shaped structure like the obelisk that you see near the White House in Washington DC or what is placed in the middle of the Vatican. The phallus and penis both are serpent shaped. This traces back to Enki's serpent nature. Enki taught mankind how to set up and structure civilizations from the inside out. He gave mankind enlightenment which is the action or state of having attained spiritual knowledge, insight, and awareness that liberates a person metaphysically. Transcending the physical matter and laws of nature. This is the key and the goal of most ancient indigenous belief systems that are now considered demonic and pagan to Abrahamic faiths. These same faiths, however, are where enlightenment and serpents are demonized. Although this type of belief is now called New Age, in comparison to the religions that exist today, it is very much of the oldest age. Upon enlightenment, mankind became awakened to the point of being able to telepathically communicate with one another, levitate, manipulate the energy and elements of nature. Things that now only exist in fantasy were once the reality of our ancestors. Enki had essentially taught mankind how to be like the Anunnaki. This was the forbidden knowledge that Enlil did not want passed on to humans because it is what allows the Anuna to have leverage over mankind and to be presented as gods over mankind. This knowledge in modern day is considered to be of the occult nature, sorcery, taboo, and demonic. Now that humans were able to reproduce on their own and have free will, they had a chance to become equals to the Anuna, which was not so bad to Enki, but Enlil was like the racist great-grandfather. He did not want us sitting at his table no matter what. This is the exact reason mankind is said to be born into sin, because mankind was never supposed to be able to reproduce without the aid of the birth goddesses and any act against Enlil is considered a sin. These acts of betrayal are why Enki is called the deity of civilization, fertility, virility, sex, wisdom, mischief, and trickery. This is also how he becomes known as the entity that went against God. But there is more to the story and more reasons behind Enki's many titles as a deity. In religious narratives, 
Enki and those who agreed with his different betrayals against Enlil and assisted him in carrying out these acts, they are called the fallen angels who make up a third of the heavenly angels. And Enki in Abrahamic religion is called Satan. Meanwhile, those who agree with Enlil in religion, these are the two-thirds of heaven that stood strong behind God. And yes, Enlil in those narratives is biblical Yahweh. He is God. One of the problems was that because of Enlil's authority, the Sumerians called him the great administrator. This was just a term to represent his position and authority. A term that in their language translated to Satan, from where the term Satan derives. So this puts Enlil as being Satan. This means the term Satan was coined as just a title that meant great administrator to the Sumerians. There was no bad connotation associated with it. It is and was a title just like Lord and King are titles and positions of authority. As far as Enki, Enki was also called Ea. In the ancient Canaanite language, Enki was called Yahweh or Yahoo, which in ancient Hebrew broke down into the tetragram YHWH. And in Kemet, besides being Osiris and Horus, Enki was also the deity Ea, I-A-H. The Kemetic Ea was also called Yah. So in simple terms, technically those who worship the biblical God are actually worshiping Satan. But is this a bad thing? The rest of the story will allow you to better answer that question. This is the end of tape two.